Welcome to the Go Solo Show, powered by Subkit, the number one place for inspiration to help you start, run, or grow a winning business. I'm Johnny Quirk, and each week we bring you some amazing guests from a wide variety of businesses, all talking about their journey, motivations, and top tips for entrepreneur success. We deliberately aim to bring you stories, interviews, and real people who are fully deep in the trenches, building their businesses, and sharing actionable insights that you can use for your own entrepreneurial business journey. So whatever you're building, we're excited to be part of that journey with you. If you like what we do, don't forget to subscribe. Now let's get on with the show. Hey guys, welcome to the Go Solo Show, and we're back again for season two today. So just a quick reminder for our regular viewers and listeners that you may have noticed a quite a slight change in format for season two, and that's because we're focusing less on these one-to-ones and individual stories and more about shared experiences. So for our future episodes and today, we're bringing together a number of great guests around a similar industry talking about their collective experiences. So on this week's show, I'm delighted to say that we've got people in the Pilates, yoga and wellness business space talking about how they started, run and are currently growing their business. They've built thriving communities. They've got loads of regular customers and a really amazing social media presence. So a very warm welcome, a very warm go solo welcome to our guest today, Zoe, who teaches Pilates in the UK. Zoe, great to have you here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We have Meg, who's uh, yoga, meditation, wellness, life coaching, all sorts of great stuff. You're in the UK, by the way, of Canada. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Yep. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Great to have you here. And we have Eli as well. This is a very international affair today, which I'm delighted to say as well. You know, we're very international here on the Go Solo show. And we have Eli of Drunk Yoga in the US. So Eli, I'm not going to spoil the surprise for everybody about what Drunk Yoga is, but great to have you here as well. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Amazing. Okay, so like I said, a great combination of guests today, and let's get straight into it. So I'm really interested for this first question, which is you know, all about the background, about getting to know you and your business. So in a nutshell, what is your business and what is it that sets it apart from everybody else and what is it that you do that's different? Zoe, maybe you'd be a great person to start with this. Oh, okay, so um, my business essentially is, is Pilates. Um, so, um, yeah, the clue is in the name Pilates with Zoe. So it's, it's a business that I've been running now for, um, 14 years. So I trained 14 years ago when my son was just turning two. And before that time I, um, worked in advertising for 10 years. Um, and I, yeah, I retrained, uh, so that I could find a, a career that would work quite well around having a young family. Um, And I started off teaching to the local community face-to-face classes. Um, And over the years, my business has grown. um, And it is now uh, an online business as well. That's happened more recently in the last couple of years. Um, And I teach a combination of about 18 classes a week. So it keeps me pretty busy. And I film a couple of classes a week as well for my on-demand members too. So... Um, yeah, it keeps it keeps me out of trouble. <laughs> yeah, and to be quite honest, at 14 years as well of doing it, it seems like it's going well, which is good. So uh, yeah. you've managed to get through that first startup uh, difficult stage, which is brilliant. Well, thanks yeah, for that, Zoe. Exactly. And how about yourself, Meg? Because I know obviously um, you know you're in a, a more of a hybrid state right now, but it seems like you offer like a full package to wellness. Tell us more about your business. 
Um, yeah, I suppose like I'm kind of in a in a growth stage. Um, I come obviously from a background of teaching um, and I used to teach English in a school and I just could really sense like for teachers, myself, for students that we needed a bit more um, teaching and learning about um, kind of how to take care of ourselves. Um, so I had an opportunity through school to do my master's in um, positive psychology, uh, mental health and well-being. And I found myself training in, in everything from EFT to doing my 200 hour yoga training and meditation um, and eventually did my life coach training um, and that kind of lent itself to um, this little business that I've started just wellness with Meg I call it um, and from that um, I've been really blessed to not only work in schools where I, I deliver sort of talks or workshops with kids um, kind of um, a combination of all of those things um, sometimes I do it in a business context so I've worked for um, some you know big football names or um, retreats abroad um, but it's a really nice thing to be able to bring um, together different facets of wellness um, and hopefully allow um, people to have kind of a toolbox of things that they might be able to to kind of take with them so I guess in a nutshell I it's kind of a wellness consult consultancy business um, yeah amazing and that sounds good for me and my kids as well because uh, I always bring my kids into this it's my son's sixth birthday today so uh, I need to give a quick shout out to him as well but it's a yeah uh, that sounds amazing I think we need to kind of like do more of this as well with the kids and get them started early as well um brilliant Eli um you know, just for everybody out there and everybody will get a chance to look at your Instagrams later when we're talking more about our business and pointing them to where they can find you online. But I'm really interested to know about drunk yoga. Um, you know, like, is it what it says in the name? Uh, tell us more about that and how you got into it. Yeah, um, well, it's kind of a funny story. Um, I, I'd like to preface the story with um, my background is in acting. And so I went to New York University's Tisch School of the Arts for acting um, and I was doing that full time. Uh, in New York City in a very conventional way, though uh, when I say conventional, I mean TV, film, commercials, um, you know, yeah. you name it. But I had a, a real affinity for community-based theater. So throughout college, I uh, loved experimental theater, um, interactive performance art, and community-based theater, where theater goers uh, generally emerge themselves in already existing communities. Um, and they learn everything I can about them and use the art of storytelling um, and interactive play really to help the community itself find catharsis right in conflict, see each other's perspectives better and sort of elevate to a, a higher state of understanding, um, empathy really. Um, at 22, I didn't quite know how to grapple with that interest. So of course I was just waitressing and auditioning for Law and Order. <laughs> but um, <laughs> And then I became a yoga teacher as most actresses did in 2014. Um, and I loved everything about yoga as well for similar reasons to why every why I loved everything about acting. I loved um, being in front of a group. I loved making them feel good. I loved cultivating joy. Um, I loved making them happy. I And I was a competitive gymnast for 10 years. So I love everything about um, self-empowered movement um, and, and mindfulness. So I, I dove headfirst into that and I was teaching in New York and California and India and Thailand and trained all over the world, got every certificate that you could. I was pretty intense about it. Um, but as I was teaching yoga full time then, I became increasingly dissatisfied with them. Um, I guess the cultural norm around the way that traditional yoga was continued, um, continued to be executed, uh, very militaristic and exclusive. And um, 
patriarchal, if I may be so bold to say. Uh, I had a very um, patriarchal experience in my first yoga training. The teacher was literally in the military for a very long time, and it just feels like he found yoga as a way to continue to tell people what to do. And I yes. noticed, um, <laughs> I noticed, like, you know, even all the mats, like, in a row, and no one's allowed to talk to each other, and no one's allowed to look at each other, and no one quite knows why. It's just the rules, and we follow it. And you're just supposed to do what you're told with your body and not ask any questions. And especially in New York City, in a high-strung environment, um, it felt like my job as a yoga teacher was becoming, um, teach people how to engage their core. And I just wanted to teach people how to be happy and get along better. <laughs> and um, as much as I tried to start to integrate interactive theater and storytelling techniques to help people sort of break that fourth wall and connect with one another better and realize, you know, we're all in this together. It sounds super hippy dippy because it is. Um, they wouldn't have it in a conventional setting. Like you go to a gym, you work out, you leave. And so as much as I tried to spice things up in yoga studios and gyms, it just wasn't working. Then, and here's the story you've all been waiting for. I walked into a bar, <laughs> some great ideas again. And it was a bar I used to work at on one late serendipitous evening out with some friends, not entirely sober in that moment, admittedly. And the owner of the bar said, oh my gosh, Eli, you're a yoga teacher. You should teach me yoga. I can't even touch my toes. And then sure enough, bent over, touched his toes. And he said, oh, I guess I can do it when I'm drunk. And I sort of flirtatiously said, oh, let's do drunk yoga. And um, the uh, light bulb moment happened pretty instantaneously. I thought, wait a second, adding the social ritual of a happy hour is such a great way to make yoga more fun, accessible, break down that fourth wall, get beginners to try it, get people to be less stuffy about it. And then we can do it in con a less conventional setting where people are already more primed to yep. be kind and social and, and laugh and dance like a bar. Um, so because I chose the name um, when I wasn't sober, uh, drunk yoga, everyone thought it was a joke. <laughs> um, so nobody came to my class for a couple of months. And then um, I was ready to give up. I thought maybe this is just a terrible idea. Maybe nobody wants to like drink wine while they do yoga. I was wrong, thankfully. I called the press. I had a journalist friend and I said, I've got this idea. It's called drunk yoga. It's like this interactive yoga drinking game to make it more fun. And she wrote about it. And then it just went internationally viral within a week. I mean, every Gothamist was the first. It got picked up by Refinery 29, International Business Times, New York Post, L Glamour, Pop Sugar, Shape, um, Daily Mail. Uh, I got a book deal like a month later. Uh, we were sold out for six months and I had to quickly, really quickly figure out how to start this business. I had investors calling me from all over the world. Um, and now, so it started as in a bar and then now it's it's mostly a corporate team building experience. We do virtual wow. and in person. And now we kind of found our niche bachelorette parties in corporate team building where we um, curate a really cute yoga drinking game for that partic particular team to build camaraderie and make yoga a little bit more fun and, and bring some levity to wellness. So, yeah. I, I, I'm already slightly worried for you. I think we may have drunk Pilates and drunk wellness and meditation <laughs> coming after this also. Genius idea. Yeah, get, get those in. I, they may struggle on your machines, I think, Zoe, obviously from seeing them on the Instagram yeah. as well. Uh, my kind of question on that is like, how, how much wine do they have? I think that's probably the question we're all wondering here. Like, are people literally doing a full of wine tasting? Are they having a glass? Are they literally, because of the joyous nature of people coming to your classes, I guess some people don't even drink as well. It's just more about the experience. Yeah, that's a very valid question. Um, 
So I like to say that drunk um, is suggestive, not descriptive. We intoxicate the convention of yoga, not the yogi. Um, no more than two glasses of wine or drinks are allowed per class. Um, most people don't even do that. One of our most popular offerings um, is actually uh, coffee yoga. So we also do sober yoga as we cheekily call it. It's a very cheeky brand. Um, <laughs> sober yoga, coffee yoga, um, connect and stretch. We have a shake your asana. We have a drunk roga. So drunk is really not um, indicative of the style of the class. It's really just uh, to yeah intoxicate the convention. Um, one glass of wine is allowed at the beginning of class. So yeah. it the execution to give you guys a, a clearer picture. Um, the class starts with a mandatory happy hour. I do that on purpose because I think it's really important yeah. that um, our teacher who plays the host, we have about 15 teachers across the country. I train them myself. Um, yeah. They are taught by me to learn how to break the fourth wall and become the host of the yoga party rather than just the militaristic yoga teacher. Um, and really welcome everyone in. So we're very um, deliberate about where we place the wine or the juice or the water, like just something that makes them feel nourished. And um, like there's a, all, already a prop that brings people together. So we're already all sort of drinking at the same time, um, a beverage in hand, the same way that you feel more comfortable when you like have a beverage in hand at a party. Like as soon as someone hands you something, you're like, oh, no, I'm, I've arrived. Yeah, yeah. Um, cheeky music, Britney Spears, Spice Girls, uh, throwback songs. Wow. And and people are, the, the yoga teacher will introduce herself. Um, she'll talk about the, the rules. If you lose your balance, you have to take a sip. If you mix up your left and your right foot, you have to say something you're grateful for. If you're the last person to put your cup on your head, you have to make up a deal. I'm applying for a franchise for Manchester UK already. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, let, let, let's actually get this going. But it, but I like what you're saying. It's about repackaging and experience and actually taking that, you know, and, and obviously if there is a market for it, there is a market for it, which obviously there, there massively is. You know, I remember when I used to visit San Francisco a lot for work, you know, going to those first soul cycle classes and stuff like that. It felt much more than just going to a spin class or something. It was, you know, when you'd get on a bike, you felt like, OK, I know I'm going to go out later on, but this feels more of an event. It feels more of an experience uh, for good or for bad. So, you know, I'm really excited about that. And uh, obviously, thanks, obviously, for so much detail as well. I, I'm quite excited about that as well, actually. Uh, next time in New York, I definitely kind of need to get there as well. Now, I think you guys have given me a really good idea about why you got into what you did. I think you've all got really interesting backgrounds about why you started doing this for yourselves. But the next kind of follow question I've got is kind of like, why do you love what you do? Like, what is that deeper motivation that literally makes you get up and keep doing it? I mean, Zoe, you said you've been doing this for 14 years. It can't just be something now that fits in. I presume, obviously, your kids have started to grow up and you know you could I'm sure you wouldn't want to but go back to the corporate advertising world or whatever you want to do you know mm. obviously for yourself Meg I'm interested in your motivations about whether you're gonna constantly do this as like a part-time thing or whether the goal will be to fully go out on your own and obviously for Eli as well so maybe Zoe again it would be great just you know I'd really like to just get a feel for like what what's that burning feeling and love about why you do what you do like what, what what's the what kind of what's the kind of warm mm. feeling you get from it I think um, the biggest the biggest thing has got to be um, the, the benefit that you see in your clients, which sounds like an obvious thing, but it's it's not just um, physically how they benefit from taking up um, Pilates practice. Um, there's a light bulb moment that goes on for quite a few clients when they start Pilates. A, lo a lot of people come to Pilates when they have done very little exercise throughout their life. And whether they're coming to Pilates because they have dysfunction in their body already, 
or whether they this is their first tentative steps towards a form of exercise. Mm. You often see that light bulb moment where they take one or two classes and they go, finally, I've found a form of exercise that I feel fantastic at, at the end of the end of the class. And, and that only motivates them to want to do it more, to want to come regularly, to want to do it more than once, maybe twice, maybe even three times a week. Um, and it's, it's a joyous moment when you see that reaction in a client. Um, yeah. And, and that's, that, and I feed off that. I mean, every time it happens, um, even 14 years later. <laughs> but you feel, um, do you feel you're on the uh, journey with them? You know, do you feel that you're, you know, absolutely. without getting too, you know, we're, we're all in this, I've been doing yoga for yeah, myself for many years. You know, do you feel almost like you're on a spiritual journey with them or a wellness yeah. journey or whatever taking them? Yeah, on? yeah. And you build these wonderful relationships with, with, with your clients. I mean, I teach pretty much to many to my community, to, you know, to within the community, within where I live. So I'm seeing these people every day as well, just out and about. And yeah. for most of my clients, I feel that we have built like really solid, proper relationships, some, some who have been coming to me for 14 years. Um, but even the ones that only come for, for a year and then for whatever reason, they can't come any anymore. I, you know, I always get a sense that I've, I've given them something. Um, even when, you know, they might go, I always encourage my clients if they move away to to try and find Pilates somewhere else. And, um, you know, it certainly isn't something that I go, it's just me. You must only be with me. (laughs) I'm amazed as well, like what a great workout Pilates is. I mean, I started doing it about six months ago and like, yes, you know, I won't lie to you. You know, my core is dreadful. Like I'm just putting it out there, but I can hardly, (laughs) I was away camping the next day after my first class. And I was trying, I was out with my kids in the woods and I could hardly get out of bed. I literally, I really felt it throughout my entire body. Yeah, down here. that means like, you were incredible. doing it properly, Johnny. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> ah, good. So this is it. You know, usually I do things quite half-assed, but it's a, uh, I, I'm, I'm quite pleased to hear that. But you're right. I mean, it felt like that full body and you didn't feel like it was enjoyable to do, but it was, yeah. it was like that. Yeah. And, yeah. and for yourself, Meg, I mean, like, do you, you feel that you're taking people on a journey? I mean, you were saying before you have a real balance between kids and adult stuff but you feel real satisfaction from what you do yeah I suppose I think it it really does blend in a little bit with um what Zoe said and also um Eli in in her first um bit I think that there's a little bit of a magic that you can help people see in themselves right instead of being prescriptive I just feel like being able to show people that they have all the tools inside of them um, in order to tackle the tough stuff in life, whether it's breath, whether it's a stretch, whether it's a tapping technique. Um, I'm a real big believer that um, if we can show people that they have it already within them, then we can build resilience, we can build confidence, we can make a difference um, potentially to people's mental health and their future and what they aspire to do. And that doesn't matter, you know, what age they're at. You know, I just think it's amazing um, to be part of somebody's journey, even if it's just a small conversation once or one yoga class maybe it's you know a deep breath that you did in in a corporate kind of experience and they were able to take that with them forever um and I suppose somebody did that for me you know I remember being in pigeon pose in a yoga class in a yin um you know yin class once and I just started to cry and I I really noticed that like I was in this rat race uh, and I was I was pushing I was 
and I never really stopped to think about what I wanted, um, what I needed to be a little more happy, you know, what self-care actually meant. Um, and in this day and age, you know, especially the year that we've all had in COVID, um, it's a gift that I was given and I just feel really honored and grateful in whatever capacity to pass that on. Um, whether it's children, I, I wish I learned it sooner. So I think that's where I haven't been able to pull away from schools yet, um, but I'm trying to, you know, I'm, I, the goal is potentially to do more presentation work in schools versus teach. Um, I still teach some lessons two days a week. Um, and eventually, um, I'm sure you can see my business has lots of little bubbles around it and, and fingers crossed we can hone in on something a little bit more specific yeah. over time. But I think you know that you're doing a great job of the corporate one if you are told not to kind of keep going in because they keep having loads of people resigning straight away after you've put them through if they're crying they're going like oh no I need to get out of this corporate job I feel so good for five minutes of breathing or whatever's obviously needed as well obviously Eli I think from your situation you know in terms of everything you're doing it seems like you're building a really thriving community as well I'm sure obviously community is such an important part not only you're making individual uh you know, improvements in people's lives, but also it's the community element of it. Would you say that's probably one of the main drivers behind you doing it? Or are you just so excited because you're in such a growth stage as well? Um, I'm really interested in um, belonging. Uh, okay. I, I really think I put a lot of thought into this because drunk yoga is really that intersection between, um, I say this all the time, between hashtag self-care and hashtag community care, because our this practice that I've developed is not an introspective one, it's a communal one. And it is, uh, I really did pioneer um, that genre of wellness entertainment. And so to grapple with what, what need am I filling and how am I serving yeah. was hard to put my finger on. Um, and so I just needed the four years that I've been in business to sort of figure that out. And it seems like I've really honed in on um, my skills and my interests sort of intersect at um, helping already existing communities yeah. uh, foster camaraderie so how can I um, use drunk yoga uh, um, whether it's literal like a glass of wine in a yoga class or that company loved their experience with us so much that then they hired me as a community engagement consultant to, yeah. to sort of deepen the work and use the power of play to foster belonging with your coworkers or your social impact organization or you know people in the town that you live in that are having a hard time yeah kind of coming to terms with a, a big change that's coming. Um, so really using mindfulness and storytelling to fill yeah. in the gap between where you become us, if that yeah. makes sense. It really does. And I hate to bring up this word. I'm hoping we'll come out the other end of it, or we are coming out the other end of it, but to put the P word pandemic out there right now, you know, I hate to use the word opportunities uh, because obviously it's been a fairly horrific thing that the, the whole world has been through this last year and a half. But, you know, how has your business both, you know, sorry, all three of you kind of coped with the pandemic, you know, ha has there been opportunities that have come out of it? Has your business done well out of it? Has it survived? Has it made you create new features, products or whatever? I'm just really interested to know kind of like how the business has, has gone. Maybe again, Zoe would be a good person to start with this. Um, yeah, so of course, it was quite a terrifying time. Um, overall for the fitness industry, I think, well, yeah. overall for the, for the world. Yeah. <laughs> but um, specifically for those people that relied on that face to face interaction um, to, you know, to, to work. Um, I was very lucky in that um, 
I very, very quickly jumped on the Zoom bandwagon. Um, mm. Fortunate that my husband has been using Zoom for conference calls for a very long time. So I said quickly set me up almost immediately. And, yeah. and it helped, I think, that I was one of the first instructors locally to get onto Zoom because I sort of got my clients on board with it very quickly. I would say 95% of my face-to-face clients on mat work <laughs> went onto Zoom. I had another whole part of my business, yeah. um, which is on, on the reformers. Um, so the other part of my business is teaching group reformer yeah. Pilates. And there was no way I could put that on Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> <'Cause> you, <laughs> not many people have reformers in their homes. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a big, um, dis, a big delivery problem for you trying to get those yeah, to people's houses. That was an issue. Um, so half of my business had to stop. So I did have time on my hands to try and find because um, nobody knew when we were going to come out of it we all hoped it would be quick didn't we I don't think anyone really dreamed that we'd still be you know in the situation that we're in now but um, yeah so during that period I suppose the opportunity was was in the fact that I had more time on my hands um, and I could start to um, develop an online presence which I'd been wanting to do for quite some time but I'd always use the excuse I just didn't have the time to do it. Mm. Um, and that's when I started to build um, an on-demand library of classes. Yeah, okay. So that's great. when the, this, this other half, part of my, my business started to form. Um, and I made a promise to myself and then to my members as my membership started growing that I would deliver two classes a week, one mat-based and one reformer-based. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's what I started doing, I would say, probably about three months into the pandemic, so into the lockdown in this country, um, I started building building that on-demand offering. Um, I had a, a, a website built and, and it just kind of, it progressed from there. So that's where the opportunity came. So now I've effectively got my businesses almost twice the size yeah. that it was before the pandemic because all the face-to-face classes have started back again. And I have the the uh, the on demand offering as and well. And is that so is great. that here to stay now? I mean, do you see them as separate entities? You'll run them separately. You don't see a hybrid model. You know, we I talk with all sorts um, of people on the show, and obviously different entrepreneurs yeah. each week. Yeah. Um, no, they they kind of feed into each other to a certain extent because what I what I say that that sets me apart to a certain extent from the way. Um, other instructors have have gone on demand is that every class I put on demand has first been taught to my clients face to face. So I film at the end of each week. So I know that every on demand class is is achievable for most people um, because I've taught it and I've seen bodies move in the way that I, you know, and, I, and I've worked yeah. out all my verbal cues and, you know, um, all the things that I need to deliver that class well online. Yeah. Um, and so, so the two businesses, I, I don't think I could ever put them, se- separate them because yeah. they are, they are one is face to face. And then I take that experience and I, and I put it on demand. So it seems like, yeah, that, you know, I hate to again use the word opportunity, but it's kind of, again, kicked you up the arse to say, let's get this going. You know, I have yeah. got the time because this yeah. time's been created. Uh, yeah. In terms of your situation, Eli, you know, I'll, you know, I'll change things up here a bit. Were you sending a bottle of wine to people in the in the post and say, let's do yoga? Or I'm just interested in how your business model evolved in terms of that 
I, I, you may have done online before, you may not have done. I'm just interested to know what, you know, what the pandemic experience was for yourself. Yeah, um, it was tough. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it was hard to figure out because the magic of drunk yoga is um, in the interaction and cheersing and high-fiving and fist bumping in the middle of poses. That was yeah. been a lot of time figuring out how can I do that via Zoom? So that was a great challenge because it really forced me to um, uh, nail down the essence of connection in a really esoteric way. Um, what makes us feel like we're connected. And it really helped me marry mindfulness with storytelling in a more cohesive way, because yes, high fives are great. And the partner exercises that we do in class, like one of the things that we do is like um, do a chair pose in front of each other and like separate your legs. And then you bring the, cla the glass underneath your partner's legs while you talk about the worst date you ever had. So stuff like that you can't do on Zoom, but <laughs> what we can do is tell cheeky stories and use icebreaker questions and dance and do weird things with the cup um, yeah. and and bring in the real world, like introduce your pet on the screen. Um, in terms of the business model, that changed the most. And I think it was really traumatic at the beginning, but it was a blessing at the end because we were growing really fast in the hotel space um, and travel and entertainment. Actually, Virgin Hotels in Dallas, um, like Richard Branson's Virgin, had just purchased exclusivity of Drunk Yoga in February of 2020. So I thought, all right, I made it. Like, I made it as an entrepreneur. We're growing with Virgin. They were opening other hotels. And then I'm going to sell the business. And I, I made it. And then everything, all hotels lost their budget forever. And we lost, <laughs> we lost all of our hotel. But I, I think yeah. I lost $50,000 in a day. It was I, um, I, a lot of wine companies sent me wine. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say I drank it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, uh, yeah, like I just see for people listening on the audio, there is not a load of boxes all around, like wine cases around Elay right now, but it said, uh, but there could be. <laughs> wine companies did. It's like they woke up one day and they're like, you know, what should, you know what we should do is send all of our wine to the founder of Drunk Yoga. And yeah. I, you know, um, but that was March of 2020. It really did force me then to um, nail down um, the essence of connection in a yoga class. And, and I always just wanted to focus on corporate team building. It really feels the most like that community-based theater that I fell in love with at age 18. And so now it's really just like a really cool corporate wellness solution. And we can do it on Zoom for hybrid companies and we can do it in person. And because I had so much time to really think and research the essence of community engagement, um, the intersection of mindfulness and storytelling to foster belonging. I've got my keynote working on the TED talk, and now I'm getting hired by companies to speak on that subject to help other leaders make yeah. their engaging, um, their uh, gatherings more engaging, um, and, and help other leaders facilitate more interactive experiences it's, for their employees. So it's, it's been an it's been an incredible time, though. I think it, like just as you use what both of you have both said, it's it's given us that almost like laser focus again to think about it and also maybe again got us slightly out of maybe not a bad rut but out of almost like everything being so linear and steady it's like right what would happen how do I rethink my business you know what's consumer behavior going to be like after the pandemic when's this going to end how do I still keep the lights on all these sorts of things so I think it's you know I'm not saying we, it was a good thing to go through but it's definitely been an interesting time for everybody to just have that time where you kind of go into panic mode and be almost like right let's replan where I get the paper and pen out and let's try and get out of this but see where we're going to be like you said to start off this so we you know we all thought it might be a few months you know it's like you know I remember people booking their summer holidays thinking oh we'll be fine it's not that case you know so um 
Now, I've deliberately kept you to last on this, Meg, because your pandemic is slightly different because, you know, you had a baby, uh, I believe, like during the pandemic, or you have a young young kid as well. Like that. And also you're saying your business is in the growth stage right now. So obviously through the pandemic, it's, you know, obviously grown that. How was your pandemic as well in terms of taking that? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think that I was already slowing down a little bit in terms of pushing the business and where it was growing just because I was expecting my daughter. Um, But I I really found like after I'd had her in the August and I felt ready to to deliver again and put myself out there again, it was a real blessing because I could then um, work from home. So I I, I will say like, I think like a lot of moms, um, I had a little bit of confidence I was a little bit wobbly about how does this look how do I present something online um you know can I do this this way again who's going to come um and I guess I approached it in a bit of a slow manner and I offered one yoga class for free for the whole of January um to anybody that wanted to come and I remember that very first day of people logging in and I was absolutely godsmacked that I had like you know hundreds of people log in And what I hadn't realized was that all of the communities that we had reached face to face, so whether it was a corporate, um, I guess, gig that I would have had in the past, whether it was, um, you know, a local community class or somebody in Canada that I hadn't seen in in years, they had all seen this online and thought, do you know what I want to to be part of that? Um, And it took me by surprise um, to see people wanting that sense of community, even though we were all stuck at home. They wanted to be a part of something. Um, And I guess for for me personally, I've just added a few more Zoom classes. Um, I've added, you know, a live class. I started to change the business to a bit more subscription-based process. And um, I also did a lot of like Zoom um, corporate work where we did some team building work, um, lots of uh, motivational speaking. And I guess over time, I'm starting to now just after coming out of maternity just for a few months now, I'm starting to reframe what that looks like, how I could use more of an online platform for this to grow, mm-hmm. how I could create a bank of resources or um, something a little bit different for a corporate climate or schools. Um, but I guess it's just opened up a lot of ideas for me, but I will be honest, still baby stages. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go. Um, but what has, what has kind of opened up for me was you know, was a bit overwhelming in terms of what people wanted from a virtual world, what what mm. that could look like. Um, I, guess yeah. it, I guess it cuts both ways because, you know, like I, we, we have uh, one of my friends, she teaches Indian cookery classes. You know, she, again, used to do them in real life, moved fully online, but, you know, in a good way, uh, she was getting people from the US, people from Iceland, people from Eastern Europe attending her virtual classes. And she was like, this could never have happened being based in Manchester and Birmingham here in the UK. But then obviously as things are opening up now and she's doing the real life stuff, the backlog, it's proving again quite overwhelming. And the amount of opportunity you can do online, it's kind of knowing which battles to fight really you know like like which avenues to go down and also I guess making sure you don't go down a rabbit hole you know making sure you stay true you know as Eli and Zoe said to their core business their communities they've grown the clients they have maybe creating this side thing but also still being able to refocus on coming out of that and final question I've got before we go on to some of your growth tips on your business and this is probably a good question to ask all of you uh, and I'm not going to pick anybody out feel free to throw in your answers here as well 
But, you know, we talk to entrepreneurs all across the world each week on this show and all different industries, but you're all in, say, the health, fitness, wellness kind of space. What's your own approach like to work-life balance and keeping it all together? You know, like you might say, well, I do three Pilates classes a day, Johnny, or I, you know, meditate two hours a day, or I teach yoga, whatever. But, but what, what, what's your own kind of relationship like with work-life balance and, and wellness? I'm just interested to know. Um, I'll hop in first, I suppose, <laughs> because I, what I really struggle with now is, is because a lot of my business is online, it's, it's actually finding that balance. Actually, I'm sure, I'm sure Meg and Eli will, will agree. It's turning off and saying no more to the online and let's, Let's look at the people that I have in front of me, specifically my family. <laughs> um, so it, 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 it's, it's harder, actually, with the online world being mm. so accessible all the time. Um, and I, you know, and that's not because I'm spending hours scrolling through YouTube videos and, um, you know, answering comments or whatever on posts that I've done. It's, it's just, um, it's, it, it's just it being able to just turn things off and go. I, I need I need some balance in terms of interaction with real people, despite yeah. the fact that I'm still teaching eighteen classes a week. I have two teenage boys, a husband, a dog, and all the rest of it. But I still get consumed by the online world um, yeah. because it doesn't stop. And that just doesn't stop. It's relentless. You're right. So it I don't is. think that's an actual answer. It's actually. <laughs> A recognition <laughs> yeah. that it's just really hard <laughs> this is where you're just like have you got any tips johnny it's like you're like i'm looking forward to hearing Someone eli and tell Meg. me please <laughs> yeah yeah but it's true i saw one said this the other day they went well facebook whatsapp and instagram were, were down obviously uh yeah. i saw some posts like you could do this to yourself every day and you're like well you could do but are you gonna do this <laughs> The reality is probably not. You know, the first thing I'm mm-hmm. thinking as I'm having my coffee, it's like I should probably have a look on Instagram and see what I've missed overnight. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're just in this world. So, you know, I get what you're saying. Meg, how, how do you cope with work-life balance? I guess, again, we're having a small baby. It's not exactly kind of easy in terms of keeping it all together. Yeah, um, I mean... I don't know if we all quite have it right. Um, I I do believe though that just recognizing, I guess, and being open when I, I feel like I've been on my phone too much or I'm I'm editing things or it's just pulling back, kind of like Zoe said, just trying to have a little bit of self-restraint in some ways. I, I do make sure that I put my phone away sometimes because I notice that I'm I might be you know, I've got a message ping through and I have to reply to a client and actually I'm looking at my daughter and I think, you know, what? I just, I'm going to take that time and play with her. And I think having a one-year-old is my personal escape and trying to be present and trying to practice what I preach. Um, but also I know that that's difficult um, because like you said, it just feels like when somebody messages you, there's this professionalism you want to maintain and you want to get back mm. to them as soon as possible. Or, um, but I have I have learned to take a deep breath, um, and I have learned that I can reply later. And I started to set out times that are my social media times. Um, That's good. And- and, and create that in a little bit of um, a plan of my day um, so that I can put it aside as well. And because social media doesn't always feel like work, but yeah, it, it, the, the struggle, it. the struggle is real though. And it's kind of having those excuses, you know, when I asked this question as well, because I was chatting with uh, another yoga and Pilates 
teacher recently and uh, she was saying, well, you know, I'm still working on myself. I was teaching 46 classes a week at some point and was realizing like, this is at far at a kilter. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, so it's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. How about yourself, Eli? You're on Instagram right now. Like, do you have a second screen set up or whatever? Like, you know, how, what's your balance like with work life? Um, I'm really embracing learning all of that. I, I think I had a really unique situation because um, I was living in Manhattan and I don't know if y'all been to New York, but it's, I was living there. I spent my whole adulthood there. I became an adult I there. I moved there when I was 18 for school. And then I, I lived there for 12 years and there's no off button to New York. I was teaching constantly, hustling constantly. Um, and when I wasn't, I was going out with friends. So yeah. I never had a good relationship with work-life balance. And I was so ambitious as an entrepreneur always. And I just turned 32 a couple of days ago. And um, Congratulations. I, Thank you. I made it. Um, but, <laughs> um, but in the pandemic, coincidentally, before the pandemic, about 12 hours before the lockdown began, I moved upstate to Beacon. Props to my intuition, guys, speaking of wellness. I was already feeling in like January of 2020, like, well, I can't do this anymore. Like, I felt like the business wasn't going to grow if I didn't learn how to get some rest. And so there's a small, cool, like artistic town, like an hour upstate from New York. You don't need a car. It's like a train ride away. So I secured a home here in Beacon um, mid-March of 2020. I, I was already going to move. And so I moved and then the lockdown started the next day. And so my whole world changed. I lost all my money and sources of revenue in about a day because of the <laughs> And I, I lived in a small town now out of Manhattan with, I knew nobody here. Um, yeah. And businesses, I knew it was never like, I didn't know what was going to happen. So I'm still working on it. Uh, in short, like everything kind of just blank slate. And now I'm working with a life coach, like trying to figure <laughs> out what time should I go to bed? Like, it sounds really juvenile, but like, what time do I want to work out in the morning? Like, imagine if every single element of structure of your life just disappeared, yeah. like, what do I want to do for money? And do I want to go for a walk every day? So I'm still in a very experimental place of like learning what that structure is like, which is cool because I get to create it from scratch. It's stressful because I have to create it from scratch. So yeah. I'll let you know. It really is. It's hard. We're, we're the thing is we're all aware that it needs to get better. It's just again, you know, it's that whole thing of like what you do today is who you are, sort of thing. But it's uh yeah, it you know, we we all kind of need that time. I, I'm a big fan at the moment of being able to kind of like uh hopefully lose my phone within the house then there'll be a mad panic after 10 minutes when I can't find it and then I'm just like you know but actually having that time away actually feels great do you know what I mean you're just like I'll put it deliberately somewhere that I probably can't remember do you know what I mean that so it's a good mm -hmm. thing right a quick change now in kind of vibe in terms of where we're going for and we're going to kind of pick up the pace a little bit in terms of some of your growth tips so you know, I'm going to jump straight in because we're talking about social media. Now, you guys have all got very vibrant social media followings. Um, Instagram, you know, we always talk about it's probably being one of the very best marketing channels out there. Photos, video, reel, everything is so important, obviously, getting yours across. Zoe, I'm just going to call you out that, you know, like in terms of, 
know, I started following you recently. And when I see your videos coming, I think Daft Punk this morning or something was soundtracked and the yeah. whole thing in time. I was like, you could make a, a music video for like MTV back in the day or something for this. Dude. So, but I'm just interested from all of you guys, like, you know, what your top tips are in terms of how you've grown your Instagram. You know, I know consistency is probably up there as being something which is important, but you know, like, have there been things you've done which just really have made your Instagram following grow and then you feel like you've got customers from that? I'm just interested to know how you've built your Instagram followings and, and what is it that works for you best, do you think? Um, I guess, um, I think for me, it was, it started properly growing when I started um bizarrely which my my children would say really if they heard me say this but when I when I actually started recording or filming myself instructing rather than just not speaking so whether that was because um I, I had some feedback from some people that they liked the English accent um there was some feedback that um the way that I, I instruct um, is is very real. It's very down to earth. I don't. It's not a it's not a kind of a performance. It's um, you know I I show everything. If I if I don't get a cue right or um, if I'm you know if something amusing happens, it's 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 there. Um, and it, and it, the way that I am as a person, I think, came across. Um, in terms of you know how I presented myself on Instagram so I didn't try and be anybody that you know anyone else other than me um, and and I think that kind of resonated at the time when when I sort of started started doing more on Instagram um, and um, you know I approach my teaching in the same way that I approach friendships and relationships with people it's always you know it's just fun it, it, it's fun it's it's joyful it's often done with a, a nudge, nudge, wink, wink, kind of typical, um, you know, British humour a lot of yeah. the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, which some get, some don't, <laughs> but that doesn't matter. <laughs> we're we're going to be putting that um, down. That's going to be so, on our blog, um, the nudge, nudge, wink, wink technique or something like that, you know. Nudge, I think nudge, wink, work. wink, fnaf, fnaf, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dubla on tundras all over the place. There will be. <laughs> um, so... Uh, and then, um, and then I did I did a bit of filming for a few a few people in the business and in, in the Pilates industry that had huge followings um, wow. and were um, were on um, you know ha were already had already built on their sort of online platforms yeah. and they of course then they tagged me and that really has it makes a huge difference yeah. um, just you know blatantly piggybacking on somebody else's fame well, that's what works though the <laughs> partnerships work I mean you know that yeah. comes up quite often and yeah. you know like you know you're, you're preaching to the converted here and I think anybody should obviously embrace those as well um Eli yourself mm. you know obviously yours is very vibrant as well you obviously do a lot of group stuff and community I think it really sells your brand and obviously you have a quite a vibrant personal one as well but uh you know what would you anything else beyond what Zoe's saying as well which works for you um, I think so is a lot better at Instagram than I am. <laughs> I, um, I uh, was really consistent in my 20s um, when I was just teaching yoga. And I, I knew that um, yoga was not forever, but it was going to take me to the next step. And so I just really hit Instagram hard with um, 
yoga videos. And yeah. it, I'm glad that I did because that really grew the following uh, years ago. And it gave me a platform of integrity so that when drunk yoga did go viral, if I didn't already have a great following of students who loved my teaching of sober yoga, I, I think that it could have gone awry really quickly because I could, I bet you can imagine not. We, we had a hard time with social media um, in the yoga industry when people heard the name drunk yoga. We got a lot of hate mail, I'll just say that. And if I had been any less, brought any less integrity to my work and how I put myself out there and treated my students on Instagram, when drunk yoga went viral, I think it could have been a disaster. But because of that, it really sparked a conversation as a result Brilliant. of, um, beyond that, I've really been lazy, to be honest, about Instagram ever since, uh, just not really sure what to post. <laughs> Um, when it's not just yoga, I'm a selling and it's not just speaking, I'm selling and it's not just performance. I've, I've still kind of figuring out how can I share what I do in the yeah. best way. Um, in terms of best growth strategy, I'm going to piggyback on what Zoe said, um, the press, we got a lot of press and mm. that sort of grew us into the 10,000 range quickly. Yeah. So it wasn't because just I was good at Instagram. It was because yeah. Of I guess that kind of, um, maybe not the word mm. is reaffirmation, but that kind of confirmation that you're trusted you know verification I guess in terms of what you do is so important yours is very personal Meg I think in terms of yours you show the real you I just want to say before I forget I think I also want to get a neon sign as well like Zoe's that she has the the brand behind I think that really works in keeping the consistency through <laughs> yeah. so yeah, I don't know what I'll get helps. done something by Johnny or something I'll be on neon <laughs> maybe in the back here podcast by Johnny or something but yeah uh, Meg yourself you know like anything that you use that you think's really made an impact for you on your Insta is being real something that's helped you kind of grow yeah I think so I think um I think I'm naturally like quite shy about using social media. And so when I have put myself out there, um, I definitely was surprised by people commenting or people engaging with what I've had to say. Um, and the feedback was that actually, we would like to see more of you versus, you know, a picture of a sunset or and a post underneath yeah. that. Although that's nice. Mm. I think people have said, you know, we really like to see you move. We like to see you speak. And I've started using stories and things in order to just um just be able to talk a little bit um and uh, I guess I'm gaining my confidence in that area but similar to what Zoe said I I think you know I still have a road to go with with building that community but um I do a lot of collaborative work I love to work with other people I love to learn from their companies I love to be a part of it and and I like you know just to to be part of that community of I guess light bears people trying to to bring that that goodness to other people so so I noticed by sharing other people's work and people sharing mine, whether it's small or bigger businesses, I have noticed, you know, just by lifting each other, it's, it's kind of lifted me as well. Um, and, and I come from a place of gratitude from there. Um, and also, you know, starting out just most of my following um, are a local community, a little bit broader, but um, my local community, um, I definitely use things like boosting posts. And that's where like, really interesting people that just saw the post boosted I don't know whether that's something people have found um, helpful but it actually did make a difference to my business I've just had loads of interesting people out of the woodwork and yeah. you know coming into to workshops whether they're virtual or or live um, and that had made a small difference to me actually especially in the early days of building um, yeah. 
something that I should probably go back to maybe as I kind of um, rebrand over time? Oh, no. I mean, do you know what? I, I As part of my job here, I, I spend a hell of a lot of time going through people's Instagrams and you can tell when some are a bit, I don't say use the word lazy, but some I just haven't got any dynamism. Probably my own personal one is probably a good example of that. But you know, like when people really put the effort in, you can really see it's got something different. It makes you want to follow. It's got that kind of energy to it. You go, okay, I, you know, if you're giving up your headspace to actually kind of scroll through and look at stuff, you obviously want to be entertained or you want to feel something, you want to feel some kind of connection. And I think all you three are killing it as well. And that's, that's really, really good to see as well. Right. We're going to zoom through now into our rapid fire round. Um, make it as rapid as you want. Feel free to give us a little bit of information if you want. But uh, I'm just interested to get some, uh, some, some tips and stuff here from you guys. So what would you say are some of your favorite entrepreneurs and resources that maybe um, you know you would maybe point people towards in your industry or maybe you know people completely out of your industry if they're thinking about starting or growing a business? Uh, any any top entrepreneurs or books obviously or something resources that you really really rely on that you want to highlight today? I think it's specific to to Pilates um, and the type of Pilates that I teach, I would say Dynamic Pilates TV um, is absolutely incredible. Um, the two women that run that business, um, Tiffany Burke, um, who uh, her Instagram account is Poison Strength um, Pilates, I think. I think it's Poison Strength Pilates. Um, and Corin Nolan. So those, the, the Corin is from the UK um, and Tiffany is from the States. And they are like this power couple that have come together and they've built this um, on, on demand, basically. On demand. I mean, you know, some people might say, why are you putting them out there? They're probably your competition. They are up, they're up here. So, I mean, they're incredible. Yeah, yeah. They, I have I, I no competition <laughs> to them, believe me. Um, uh, but they are, they're incredible in what they do, the way they teach their energy and they they just they work and work and work um so I would say for me they have been um my biggest influence I think I love that as well just being able to you know like you said it's competition but you know if you think of where, where your positioning is maybe you're more yeah. cottage local whatever if, if someone's doing a great job yeah. shout them out I think you know people yeah. need to feel yeah, that yeah. kind of love as well how about yourself, Eli? Yeah. Any uh, kind of entrepreneurs or any resources that you want to shout out today for anybody else? I mean, in the spirit of letting this be a tip for other entrepreneurs, I just say um, join as many groups, entrepreneur groups, as you possibly can. Um, some are great, some aren't, but you're always going to meet other people who are going through similar experiences as you, yeah. and you can ask them for advice in, um, in a really vulnerable way and not feel judged. Uh, so, I mean, I had to kind of pick this up on the streets, but International Business Times called me and asked me for a quote about drunk yoga. And they said, aren't, aren't you the CEO of drunk yoga? You guys, I literally was like on the phone like this and I was Googling, what does CEO stand for? Um, <laughs> no idea. <laughs> yes, it was. Um, yeah, yeah. But ask as many questions as you can to other entrepreneurs. They're so nice. It's such a nice community of people who are problem solvers. Um, in the spirit of like recommending a book, I'm really into Priya Parker right now. Now that I've sort of realized my niche is helping leaders facilitate more engaging gatherings. Priya Parker has a book called The Art of Gathering. And yeah, um, yeah she brings a lot of really cool insight into how you can create a more welcoming environment that's um, more suitable for belonging through the choices that you make aesthetically. 
Brilliant. And you know what? We do build a library on our blog as well of kind of resources that people recommend. So these will be going on it as well. And how about yourself, Meg? Uh, any kind of resources, entrepreneurs you'd like to point people towards? Uh, well, I must point out that the last kind of year and a half for me has been reading about water births and um, how to wean a baby. <laughs> so I know the current book on my bedstand is like, there's no such thing as naughty and how to, to deal with my child moving into one to two. So um, I apologize. Um, that's what's coming to the brain, you know, but um, no, to, to be fair to you, um, I'll be honest, everything, you know, everything from listening to a past um, from Gabby Bernstein to Brene Brown um, to following, you know, I guess like other companies, you know, I can't wait to follow Eli and Zoe and learn a little bit from them. Um, I have a friend um, whose name's Lindsay Sikornik and she happened to uproot her life and four kids to Costa Rica and runs Alive and Awake, um, which yeah. is an amazing company um, with life coaching. And she's about to do her first TED talk. So I think there's a lot of people out there, a lot of books and knowledge that, you know, that do inspire me. But um, I suppose my next step is to really look at it from a business point of view um because similar to Eli I think my my guess my entrepreneurial ship I suppose is something that's like I never really realized that I was running a business until maybe I'm sat here doing a podcast like it, it was a passion project that is growing into something that I, I hope will become my overall lifestyle with some you know balance and and I feel really grateful to be in a position where, you know, I can do something that I love. I yeah. feel like I'm making a difference and we can move forward. But, you know, every sort of theory, every yoga training I've done, every, you know, every conversation like this um, really does make a difference. So like you said, just talking and, and just seeking, you know, what inspires you, I think, can help drive those things forward. Amazing. And that actually leads really well into my next question again in this rapid fire round, which is, if I bumped into you, I'm going to put you on the spot, Meg, straight away, and then I'll lead back through in three years' time in the street. I hope, I hope I see you guys before three years. But if I bumped into you in, say, three years' time, where do you hope the business is? What, 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 you know, what do you hope you'll accomplish by that point? Um, I think I'd love to leave my little safety net job of teaching um, yeah. and I'd like to be doing this full time. Um, I'd love to have something a little bit more streamlined at the moment. I feel like it's been one big experiment that actually has gone really well. Um, and I just need to now work on a little bit of business coaching and and spend some time on packaging um, all of these, these sort of bits and pieces. So I hope there's a package. I hope there's a, a really exciting space online um, that people can access um and that we can you know just continue to bring a little light um, well you forward. have a thousand days pretty much around that i've got my poor maths in my head right now but it's around about that to make it happen so uh yeah well, i look forward to that zoe would it be sense. dynamic pilates tv take you over or you're like ceo or whatever <laughs> funnily enough it was dynamic pilates tv i started filming for so that might feel like it's oh here we go it's the steve jobs thing coming back um no i think for me i would um i've, I've just started doing um doing some sort of more teacher training so online at the moment but um I was contacted recently by um, a lovely guy in South Korea um, who is a, a professor of um, sports science in one of the big universities in Seoul. And, uh, and he asked me to run three seminars for him this 
week yeah last week it was um where I basically I did three zoom seminars teaching um around about 300 in total um South Korean lovely lovely South Korean um, Pilates students and it was such an incredible experience um And I'd love to do more of that um, and then maybe involve a little bit of travel as well, um, actually go to places in person um, and, um, and build more of a community on my on-demand site as well. So, what, you know, what, what um, both Meg and Eli have been saying today about the communities that they're building, um, you know, I, I've got a wonderful face-to-face community here in, in my local village, but I I, I don't get that community sense as much with the on, online part of my business, but I know it's available. I know it's there. It's about putting the time into kind of starting to build it. Um, yeah. And then and then at the end of all of that, whilst also finding balance. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm just going to write world domination with a few retreats in there as well. And so. retreats. I forgot about and the retreats. retreats. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, like, like, like what was it that Queen song? You know, I want it all. But, but like we all do, you know, this is the thing. And then it's bringing it in. But then yeah. also being ambitious and saying, yeah, where can I go? Yeah. Uh, Eli, I guess yours is maybe around hopefully hotels opening again and going down more of a corporate. But when, you know, in thousand days, three years, you know, like where do you want the business to be? Um, my answer might surprise you, but in three years, I, I hope to have already sold Drunk Yoga. Um, yeah. I've learned a lot. That's fine. That. That's fine. I've learned so much in the last four years, um, everything I feel like I need to about um, being an entrepreneur to, to move on to the next thing. And um, it's not that I want to move on. I love drunk yoga so much. I just, uh, throughout this process, as drunk yoga went from zero to a thousand in like a day, um, and we did scale, I have a whole nationwide company, really. Um, I think it, the operations now that are, are building and growing more complex and involve more spreadsheets, I'm realizing my magic um, and what I want to do and the best way that I can serve the business is um, uh, teacher trainings, uh, teaching the teachers how to teach more um, in, in a more engaged, interactive way. So teacher trainings um, and uh, speaking. I want to be teaching again, the large conferences, um, you know, put me on a stage with a microphone and I'll, it's my best and highest use. So I'm actually actively looking for a, a larger wellness company, maybe a corporate company who already has all the clients that we have, but could really benefit from having a more fun yoga option under their umbrella so they can run the operations and I can help them grow doing what I do best, which is training teachers. Brilliant. And if I can take 30% finder's fee from you for that kind of corporate takeover, then just let me know. I'll I'll see what I can do. (laughs) I I use the old Apple App Store model. I'll uh, I'll look in my file of faxes or or, or whatever and find out kind of like where these are. Um, This is a super rapid question. If you could use one word to describe what it's like to run each of your business, what would it be? One word to describe what it's like to run the business. Yeah, you know, like what's your what's your experience of running it? Oh, <laughs> good question. I'm gonna look up synonyms for chaos. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we love honesty here. We love honesty. All of here. those things is what, exactly what popped into my head. Um, and you can it use is. a hyphenated I mean, word if you want. It absolutely chaos. is chaos. <laughs> chaos is fine. You know, we, we are trying to be honest on this show. If, if that's what you think, the, you know, in your heart, then, you know. I'm going to say tumultuous. It's, it's kind of, it, it's positive chaos. 
Okay. Yeah, I'll give you two words for that. That's fine. Hyphenated or, or, or two that explain it. This is fine with me. Eli, you said you had one? Yeah. Oh, I said tumultuous. Okay. Okay. This works for yeah. me. And how about yourself, Meg? Um, I think what's coming to mind is just um, growth. I think like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> business personal growth all everything that comes from that yeah. so helping yeah. people grow I just think I don't know it, it just kind of all encompasses you know just trying to grow grow yeah. in my my own business growth for for others I, I don't know I think that there's there's lots to learn and um yeah I think <laughs> we have three great words there anyway which works for me final question before we hear more about where people can find you online um I'm gonna ask you first, Eli. As an entrepreneur, what does success ultimately mean to you? Oh man, um, <sighs> I've had I've answered this question a lot on several podcasts in the last year. Um, success um, is a moving target, and I really am tired of the word. To be honest, uh, I I'm, I'm myself exploring the word enough, yeah. just enough, um, instead of success. So. Yeah. Um, your question was, can you say it again, Johnny? Yeah, what, what, as an entrepreneur, what does success ultimately mean to you? It means that I feel like I'm enough, that I get up in the morning and I know what I have to do and I do it. Yeah. And then when I go to bed, I feel like I did the things I had to do. Because you, as an entrepreneur, that's very um, underrated. You're, yeah. you're, you're setting the bar. And yeah. so if you can create enough healthy boundaries for yourself so that you really feel like the work that you do in a day and the relationship that you have and the service that you put out in the world is enough and you can get eight hours of sleep. I mean, yeah. that's huge. So yeah. success to me feels like enough. Yeah. This is fine for me. Do you know what? Like I said, when we started taping, there are no trick questions here. It's like, you know, like everybody has different interpretations of what success is. Um, Zoe. Oh, Eli's given such a good answer. I'm now <laughs> floundering around. Um, <laughs> I haven't quite had the experience of answering that question as many times. So <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking um, for me uh, as an entrepreneur, I think just to get to a point where I feel grateful but incredibly proud at the same time so just it's important that both of those words are there because I think just feeling pride in what you do isn't mm. quite enough um there has to be an element of gratitude there as well um gratitude for um and, and you know Meg's talked a lot about gratitude actually gratitude for for the opportunities that have come your way and then pride that you have taken those opportunities and and develop them. And I think that's what makes somebody feel like they have been successful. Yeah. So out of, the, like out of the chaos, successful. it's all worth it. You feel yeah. grateful for the life you're living and you're able to wake up every day and do what you really yeah. love doing. Yeah. And just, yeah. And um, yeah, just be aware that you are, you've got to that stage. Recognize it. I think that's important. Yeah. Brilliant. Meg, how about yourself? What does success mean to you as a, an earlier stage entrepreneur? Yeah, I mean, you both gave beautiful answers. Um, I think like feeling enough is something that uh, I'm always working towards, um, grateful. And, and when you said pride and you asked that question, oh, sorry. <laughs> 
There you go. Technical issues here. We uh, it isn't a ship that's come in here on the Go Solo show. It's a. Uh, so, so sorry about that bad timing. Um, oh, that's all right. I love this show. This is everything happens all the time. So over to you, Meg. Um, I guess I'm you know trying to search for an answer that wasn't those two things and being a new mum. I just everything that drives me at the moment is just being a really great role model for my daughter. Um, and I feel like success for me is showing her balance and showing her self-care. It's showing her how to have goals that are, you know, you know, they're bigger than you could ever imagine, but also finding a level of, you know, balance and time and fun and joy. I mean, it's a lot of things, but, um, I just kind of keep her in the back of my mind at this stage of my life and think, you know, what would I, what is a really good, healthy role model and and yeah. what could that look like for her? And I think that that for me is success, you know? Um, yeah. Hopefully amazing. that answers your question. <laughs> All good, all good. I'm such amazing answers. This is why I love doing these panel podcasts now because everybody's got, you know, there's it's almost like a Venn diagram. Everybody kind of crosses over, but everybody's doing their own interesting stuff and interpretation. So amazing. Right. Uh, where should we point people towards? So um, Zoe, where can people find out about you online? Where would you like to point people towards? Um, well, it's, I suppose it's got to be my, my Instagram page has got everything on it. So um, my Instagram page is at Pilates with Zoe. Yep. Um, but within that page, you'll find all the sort of little clips and teasers for my on-demand studio. So I feed that page all the time with, with what I'm putting on demand. Um, and my on-demand studio, if anybody wanted to take a look at that and how that's set up, is classes.pilateswithzoe.com. Okay, amazing. Thanks very much. How about yourself, Meg? Um, so I guess my Instagram is a good spot, um, which is... Um, at wellness with Meg C. Um, but um, I am part of a lovely community sub kit and um, that's all linked um, onto my um, Instagram. And actually that is the best way to just see posts and um, lots of that, that lovely information or wellnesswithmeg.com signposts all of that too. Amazing. And Eli, drunk yoga, please do tell me more. <laughs> Um, I would love for people to follow both uh, myself and Drunk Yoga. Um, Instagram is Eli Walker Stories and of course at Drunk Yoga. And um, the websites are EliWalkerStories.com and um, DoDrunkYoga.com. Um, so D-O-DrunkYoga.com. Amazing. This is just the part of the show where I just thank you all for coming on. Uh, you know, it's been such an enjoyable chat. Um, I really love this because it's great to obviously just hear about your business, but also about yourselves as human beings and individuals. Obviously, it's amazing to hear your stories about being entrepreneurs as well. So thank you for coming on the show. Uh, obviously, until next time, keep winning, everybody. Thanks very much. Take care, everybody. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye. Okay, bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Go Solo Show, powered by Subkit. We hope you've had a great time and picked up many new ideas for your own business. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to follow us on Twitter at team underscore go solo. If you're inspired to get started on your own enterprise yourself, then check us out at subkit.com. We're here for whenever you're ready. I've been Johnny Quirk, and until next time, keep winning. <laughs>